Hi everyone and welcome to this new episode of the Poma podcast. It's really great to be with you here today. Excited about this one. Um, Jessica Aguilar Christie is with me today and we're going to be talking about um, Jesus and yoga. Um, this is going to be really, really interesting. So I'm really excited about this. So welcome Jessica, really great to have you. Thank you James, thanks for having me. Um, so just tell us a bit about about yourself and your story and what you do. So um, I'm a yoga teacher. I was trained in 2008 by a gentleman named Johnny Kest. But my story kind of goes back far into my past. Um, as a young person, as a, as a child, we were subjected to these things called President's Physical Fitness Tests in grade school. And it wasn't until we, I started experiencing these tests what, that I knew uh, how uncoordinated I was, how um, not an athlete I was. Um, and it was pretty much written all over the gym teacher's face, the physio teacher's face. He had this mustache. It, was, it looked like a brush hanging over his lip. And I was, of course, one of the last persons to, f- to finish the test always, and there was always like a look of, of just impatience and disappointment on his face. And so, plus, you know, I was also a bit of a chubby child, and I was teased a lot for being that way. And so I grew up, and I was never that athletic. Um, I did a little stint in middle school playing volleyball, but when I got into high school, there was so much running and training involved with volleyball that I just kind of, I gave it up. So I did some working out with girlfriends in college, but that was more or less to spend time with them and to hang out with them. And then finally, when I got into my mid thirties, I just, something needed to happen where I got more physically active in my life. And I chose the least offensive animal of all, and I chose yoga. And I kind of fiddled around with some videos, um, but it wasn't until I went to a yoga class that I actually um, really knew the power of yoga. And it was a one specific class, my first class in particular, that really affected me. Uh, a friend of work had invited me for a Thanksgiving Day flow. Uh, and when I got there, the class was mat to mat. Everybody was really close. And I put my mat down. I couldn't even be by my friend. I put my mat down beside this woman who was like, she looked like a ballerina, a model, and a gazelle all at the same time. She was probably some high-powered lawyer. And when we started to go into the flow, I knew enough to like just focus on my breathing. And when I got kind of winded, I would go into child's pose, and I was next to this woman who, like, nailed every pose. So at one point, I just, uh, I needed to catch my breath, and so I went into child's pose, and I was, and as I was in child's pose, the teacher came over, and he just gently laid his hand on my back, and I just felt like that was such a peaceful, kind gesture, and it felt like he was there for about five minutes, 
but he was probably just there for one minute. And it, it was very healing to me in that I wasn't met with that, uh, dissatisfaction. You know, I was met with kindness and mercy. So I started practicing yoga, uh, pretty, uh, pretty much daily. And eventually I decided to take everything that was going on in my life with this yoga, how I felt, how it was changing me on the inside and become a yoga teacher. And I trained in 2008 with that same teacher who laid his hand on my back, Johnny Kest. And it was a wonderful experience. And I I learned so much about yoga philosophy and about the poses and about uh, psychology through the yoga sutras that um, I, when I got out of it, when I got out of training, I, I kind of felt this urge, how do I integrate this with my spiritual life, with my Christianity, what can I uh, draw from here? Um, and I believe it's uh, Donald Miller. He has a friend that ha- is a lawyer, and he, whenever he asks um, a new client to come in, he asks them to come and just put their palms up and just, re- you know, because everybody is more open and more receptive when they just simply put their palms up. So in a, in a spiritual way, in a psychological way, in a, in a mental way, I just went into this connecting the dots between yoga and Christianity with my palms up and began to discover all kinds of parallels between, um, you know, scripture and the different practices within yoga and um, it's just been a, a great experience since then to be able to connect the two and really live between the two. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I, um, I'm, I, I don't know much about yoga at all. Um, there's certainly the history of yoga because I, um, there's, I, think it's a, I think it's a myth because I was talking to somebody else and they told me that actually it's a myth that it comes... That it's actually very tied into um, another religion. It's not tied into that. It's always somehow a link to um, Hinduism or something. Um, and I think I bought into that that idea. I don't, but I don't actually think that's true, is it? It's just a. It's yoga is much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it, actually, yoga predates Hinduism by about three thousand years. Um, yoga is a 5,000-year-old practice. It's a science of mind-body-spirit integration. About 5,000 years ago, there was a, um, like a spiritual leader named Patanjali, and he had probably a group of his followers compile a book of, of sutras um, on the, the wisdom and the science of this uh, spiritual practice. Um, and in this book, he basically goes through all of what yoga is, um, and it's it's very different than what people think it is because it's not really associated with Hinduism in that way. Uh, there's a spiritual teacher named Swami Janaspa Bharati who says there's much yoga in religion, 
but no religion in yoga. It's actually a religionless practice that is supposed to lead you closer to your sense of what divine is. Um, Hinduism is something completely different. Like I said, it's, it's much younger. It started to evolve about the same time that uh, Buddhism and Christianity did. And Hinduism is more of a culture than it is really a religion because in order to have a, a religion, you have to have certain rules about certain deities. And really, uh, Hinduism is it, it's pantheistic. There's different deities. There's different ways of worshiping these deities. Mm. Also within Hindu, Hinduism, there's many different um, languages that people express themselves in. So Hinduism is something very different from what yoga is. Although Hindus often practice yoga, and not every Hindu practices yoga. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I. Yeah. I mean, I, as I say, you know, I'm still learning about about yoga and about um, about its history. Um, somebody said to me that that I think Hindus are kind of trying to almost like um, you know siphon off yoga as, as its own kind of a few decades ago and so it's got somehow linked with Hinduism um, in the last few decades but actually that you know as you say there's no you know that yoga was allowed around long before Hinduism was um, so yeah I mean so how does what does yoga do to the the body physically what is it what, what's the intention of it and what's the, the the effect of it well the word yoga means union of opposites yo meaning yoke or bind and ga meaning opposite so it's all about integrating the less integrated parts of yourself um it's you know in the process of becoming more integrated where we are less integrated and it's a science that involves psychology and philosophy with the subject being spirituality. And it does this through something called yoga chikitsa, which is also known as yoga therapy. And yoga therapy is a cleansing and toning of the mind, body, and senses to clear energy pathways to deliver more energy. And when yoga was developed five or so a thousand years ago, it was actually developed to help young monks to pray and meditate longer. So essentially, it was a way of getting their wiggles out um, so that they could be better monks. Um, mm. And it's used as a, as a spiritual formation. And it's, not, it's just not particular to Hinduism. I, I know um, Buddhists and Jews and um, different types of people that, that use this um, as a, a type of spiritual formation for themselves. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, so how is so actually? Um, obviously, uh, yoga predates Christianity. Um, um, I mean, you can call me naive here for asking this, but um, would I have been a practice that that you know that Jesus or his disciples would would. Jesus or his disciples would have been practicing, or Jews would have been practicing at the time of, you know, at the time of the Bible, the New Testament, or not. I mean, it's not something that would have been practiced um, 
within Jewish culture, um, it's more or less uh, an Asian practice, an East Asian mm-hmm. practice. Yeah, it true. actually came from Tibet. It was yeah. developed in Tibet and came out of Tibet. It, it's kind of interesting because you think of Buddhism possibly coming from Tibet, and Buddhism actually came from India. Um, the Buddha was Indian, and he was part of that. But um, just some history on that. Mm. But people would have been practicing yoga at the time that Jesus was around, but it's likely that they didn't cross well, paths. No, I just wondered because it, you know, because of the just because of the time, you know, um, yoga had been around for what three thousand years probably by then. So. But what what's interesting is um, Thomas the doubter, the one who put his finger into Jesus' hole in his hand. He mm. actually went on his own ministry to India and ended up in India. So there have been uh, monasteries in India, people practicing Christianity in India since the time of Christ. Mm. It's quite possible that a lot of those people experienced yoga, practiced yoga. Um, And there are many different types of yoga, too. Um, I won't go into that at the moment, but um, I know that... I have a friend who uh, has a a priest friend who practiced, who's Indian, and practiced yoga in seminary because it did exactly that. It helped the the young um, um, priests to pray and meditate longer, helped them get their wiggles out, helped also with um, deal with their own um, uh, the sublimation of their sexuality as well. So, right. yeah. Interesting. So, what what impact has yoga had on your own faith, your own relationship with Jesus, your own spirituality? How has it impacted that and deepened it? Wow. Um, you know, um, women have such a complicated relationship with their bodies, and I have a complicated relationship with mine. Um, yoga has taught me that no matter how I feel about my body, it's an important part of my spirituality and the story of my ongoing wholeness. And um, the feedback that I receive from my body, and it informs my mind and spirit and helps me to embody Christ even more. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, things that I've learned from the practice that help me to integrate my body into my spirituality more. For example, the body as brain. Um, You have brain tissue in different parts of your body, and uh, you also hold memories in your tissues. If you think about it, you have scars or injuries, past injuries, that where you can feel that holding on to. And there's a concept that um, Peter Rollins actually talks about in his... uh, in his book, um, The Idolatry of God, where um, it's actually a mm. from from uh, some teachings by Lacan, where he says that when you feel suffering in your body, it's actually uh, a saint homme or a holy man, as it would be in French, that is uh, trying to reveal to your deep you your deepest truths, where you're struggling how you can let go, how you can bring 
transformation, how you can receive grace into your life a bit more. And oftentimes people think that their soul, um, their spirit and their mind are doing all the work, but your body is there also as well and can inform your spiritual existence. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've been learning a lot about how your body sends you signals of something that's wrong. You know, something that's wrong in your in your soul, in a sense, in your heart. You know, something that's going on that you need to deal with. Your body often sends you signs. That, and Peter Rollins has talked about this, you know, um, symptoms, you know. Which, and they're not, the, they're not the real problem. They're the, they're the symptom of the problem. You know, they're the, um, they're not the disease, they're the symptom, you know. So you can either treat the symptom or you can treat the actual disease. You can treat what's really going on. Um, yeah. Um, so yoga helps you to, um, obviously being a physical practice, it must help you to do that as well. Um, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, it, you know, to be honest with you, the postures are the most unique part of yoga, but they're not the only part of yoga. They're, yoga consisted, according to the Yoga Sutras, of eight different areas of formation in your life. You have the yamas, which are like spiritual laws or observations. You have niyamas, which are observances that you do with your life. You have pranayama, which is the observation of breath and energy throughout your life you have um asana that's the physical movements you have pratyahara which means denial of the senses like what we do when we fast or when we close our eyes when we pray there's dhyana which is meditation mm-hmm. dharana which is focus when you focus on something or give it your intention or your attention And there's also samadhi, which is uh, practicing uh, bliss or joyfulness or even the presence of God in your life. Um, So it's it's a holistic practice. And like I said, the movements are very unique about it, but they're not the only thing to it. I think oftentimes people see just the postures and Mm. just the physicalness of yoga. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a trait of our culture to see things physically before they delve in and see things a little bit more in depth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so true in our culture because yeah, we're quite a shallow culture, aren't we? We don't like we don't like to confront um, the truth of what's going on inside of us a lot of the time. We like to hide it or numb it or give the impression that we're dealing with it when we're probably not. You know, um, uh-huh. consumerism is all about just filling that void and saying, you know, this is the answer to all your problems. This is the, you know, this will make me all okay. And actually, what you're doing is just avoiding the work of doing. You're just avoiding doing the inner work. Um, yes. Um, so. Um, so. You know, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who you'd be thinking about starting up yoga, starting thinking about practicing yoga, um, getting into yoga. How would you recommend somebody do that, especially somebody who wants to do it 
from the perspective that you're doing it, which is um, the perspective of you know Jesus Christianity. Um, so, what what would you recommend? Well. What I would convey first and foremost, and this is something that my teacher taught me, is the concept of breath, the concept of prana, the concept of spirit. They are one and the same. That prana is the energy that lies underneath everything. And the source of that is spirit. And my um, my Jewish teacher Johnny Kest, he even says in class, the same spirit, the same breath that was here when Christ was here on earth is here now and with you today. And that often I teach my students that when you focused on your, on your breath and breathing, there's so much science to it in terms of medical science. It's automatically calming to the body um, there's a vagal nerve that stretches all down the length of your torso. It connects your brain with your parasympathetic nervous system. And um, it's, it's very soothing um, to the body. But also, when you start to bring a breath practice into your life and really focus on that breath practice, you are bringing the Holy Spirit deeper into your life, into those dark areas in your body where you've held on to fear, frustration, um, injury, uh, psychological situations, you're bringing the Holy Spirit into that. And the Holy Spirit is that holy man that can reveal to you from your symptoms, your symptom, from your deepest truth, and you can receive healing from past trauma, past injuries. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is like a secret surgeon that goes in and takes care of things under the surface. And that's the first and foremost thing to, to remember when you begin a yoga practice. It's beginning a relationship, a deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is to take it gentle and slow. Look for some classes that are around you um, to, to really um, get into it. You need to experience what it is in a, in a communal, communal environment. It's hard to practice on your own. It's hard to be on your own. And even if you're just curious about it and want to do a video with a friend in your living room, it's all about that communal thing that happens when you get together. We don't heal in isolation. We heal in community. Mm. And it's best to do that with other people. Um, so I would suggest to, to either partner up or, or get into a class. Um, and if you're really interested in what, um, what this means to your faith, there's a book by a priest named Father Thomas Ryan called Prayer of the Heart um, that's really good. Prayer of the Heart and Body, I think, is the title that's really good. It really helps to to clarify and connect, and it's from somebody who's really been there and really studied what yoga is and, and how it can affect you. Um, and it also gives sample practices in the back of the book. 
Uh, I, in particular, I live in the Detroit area, so I teach her a um, program called Soul Stretch Christian Yoga. And I teach on Monday nights, I teach a vinyasa class, but we have a lot of classes. Um, there are other programs in other cities, I'm sure, all around the world where you can experience, uh, a, I don't, it, it's, it's funny because I really struggle with the word Christian yoga. I, I don't think we can Christianize a science. I don't think, we, yeah. it's like we can't call it Christian podiatry. We can't call no. it Christian uh, you know, I completely uh, agree. Yeah, heart surgery. It's it's a science. Um, so, you know, uh, yoga from a Christian perspective, yoga that integrates your faith. Um, I would try a class like that, and you know, be discerning about it. If the class is not working for you, if it's too soft, if it's too hard, listen to your body. Listen to what's going on inside of you, and. Make sure that you're making those mind, body, spirit connections with whatever class you get into. Those are kind of some of the things that I would say to a new student. Wow, thank you. I think that would be really helpful to a lot of people, that. Because, um, yeah, I think I just think it will. <laughs> um, I, I read something on the, your blog, because you've got a blog, um, it's a really great site i'll just I'll check that out um what's what's the site your website called it's called jessuyogini.com j-e-s-u-y-o-g-i-n-i.com cool yeah it's it's all about yoga teachings for christ followers and i have a blog there um i i have my class offerings there um, I have my retreat offerings and actual classes that you can download and listen to and maybe grab a friend and experience. Yeah. That's, yeah, it is a really awesome site. Um, and, um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, but there's something I read there when I was um, looking at it and um, a quote just jumped out at me. Um, you said, you wrote that... The, he said, there is a small earthquake happening under the surface of Christianity these days. The old, the, the old constructs are no longer holding because people are coming back to the words of Christ and knowing they're accepted and loved as they are, exactly as they are meant to be. And that really struck me. I mean, I, I completely agree with all of that. Um, Thanks. But, um, but what, just unpack that for us. What, what, what do you believe is happening right now? What do I believe is happening? Um, I think what is happening is that if we dial this back about a couple of centuries, Christianity, um, you know, there's a separation in Christianity. There's the cataphatic and the apophatic. And the cataphatic is, if you think of it in terms of photography, it's the light that you see within the photograph. So to experience a cataphatic side of faith, it's to experience like where you like with words and images and sayings who God is. On the opposite side of that, when you see the dark areas of the photograph, which you need the dark areas to see the light, there's the apophatic, and the apophatic side of faith kind of lets. Um, spirituality lets your experience of God rise up from nothingness, from the absence. 
And you can experience that through meditation, through, through nature, through beauty, through creativity. So we've had these two sides of Christianity that have been going on all along within the faith. But right around the Enlightenment, we started to get stuck with this cataphatic side um, in that we could explain things and rationalize things and make pictures and create words. And it influenced the faith. It influenced Christianity to the point where I think right around the beginning of the 19th century, um, it, we just were kind of, the apophatic started to fade away and we were just kind of stuck with this, this cataphatic side of things. People thought, you know, um, practices that involved this apophatic side were old or antiquated and they left a lot of them behind. Um, mm. And we were also experiencing a world war at the time. So people were crying out. They were using their words to address God. And then that was over. And then we got stuck in another world war where people were addressing God and, and things like that. But, you know, just like with quantum physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Um, at the same time, Christianity was kind of getting stuck in this cataphatic side, these apophatic things were bubbling up. For example, um, that's about the time when uh, mysticism and yoga and some of these new age practices began to, to fill in this empty space that we had, where we had left apophatic traditions behind. And even to the point, I would go as far as part of this being like um, modernism, our, our experience of art during the middle of the century was basically abstract. It came from nothingness. Um, and it really wasn't to explain something creative beyond what was behind it. So um, in, in, throughout the, the, the 20th century, we just kind of continued to be stuck in this cataphatic way. But now people, I think they're awakening to this need to be apophatic. And I think this leniency towards practicing yoga is part of that. Practicing wisdom traditions, going back to the way things were and seeing within them the mysticism um, is, is part of us beginning to integrate. Like I talked about earlier, the less integrated parts of ourselves. We, it's not that we, everything is great or bad about the cataphatic side of things, it's that we need to have balance between the two. Mm. We need to be able to go to church and to sing and address God, but we also need those practices that involve silence, that involve meditation, that involve um, delving into mystery in order for our faith to be more integrated and more complete within us. Mm. I forgot what your original question was, but that's kind of where I, I see a lot of this penchant for practices like yoga coming from. Yeah, and it's interesting they call them new age practices, isn't it? Because, I mean, yoga is older than, it's older than Christianity, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yoga is called a new age practice, and it's, yeah, that's just... Very ironic, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you that there's, you know, and 
there is there is something going on. There is a new a lot of people are rediscovering ancient practices like you know yoga. They're rediscover they're rediscover the mystics are starting to come to prominence again. People are starting to reflect on the mystics and on what you know and what they want, and what God might be saying now and delving into mystery and doubt and uncertainty and that actually this, that God is bigger than the church and God is bigger than the bigger than one religion actually in a sense you know and and there's there's more to God than we can ever completely understand or comprehend I think Pete Rollins said on a podcast recently that um, you know if we if we worship our own conception of God we're worshiping an idol you know because yes. God is because God is bigger than any conception we can have of him ever you know right um, and that's a really you know um, so it's, 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 it, evolved, it does involve a lot of deep thinking and a lot of reflection um, and being at a certain level of consciousness in, in one sense um, and yeah this is all tied in with spiral dynamics as well I think and yeah there's, it's just when you start to examine it I think you know it's a it'll just explode you know there's, there's loads and loads of things <laughs> loads of there's loads of stuff there and you know you probably not enough there's probably too much for one person to just deal with on their own but what I like is that there seems to be a conversation going on within a lot of different people who are coming at the same thing from a lot of different perspectives um, and it's all about mystery and um, something bigger than ourselves and God leading us forward yes I agree completely you know, a lot of people who are out there um, don't have a great perception of yoga because they often tie it to New Ageism. And, you know, New Ageism, it, it's really a spirituality of self-help, of seeing how far, it's an ideology of seeing how far you can take yourself. Mm. Um, and oftentimes I don't, I don't think it really involves a whole lot of communality or, um, you know, and, and there's a problem that happens when people kind of take that too seriously. Um, I have a quote here from a teacher named Michael Stone who says, let me just dig it up. The shadow side about a spiritual practice that is just about me is not paying attention to the oneness and interdependence of all life. Um, and I think that's what it, what's remarkably different about um, yoga in terms of how people are practicing it today. It's more about um, experiencing wholeness within the presence of community. Uh, and it's all about um, coming together with a central purpose of, of experiencing that wholeness, at least from the community that I'm in. I'm not familiar with a whole lot of other communities, but in Detroit, we have a huge yoga community um, to the point where we have our own yoga festivals. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a different way to experience a spiritual formation that takes you deeper into mystery. That's mm. what I believe. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is brilliant. Um, 
So, I just, in terms of just your, I'm interested. Do you do are you part of a church community? Um, yes, I am a card-carrying Presbyterian. <laughs> I'm a member of Jefferson Avenue Presbyterian Church. I'm a deacon there, right. um, and I've been there for about 10 years or so, um, and we are active in ministry in the city of Detroit. I also teach yoga there on Saturday mornings during like uh, what I would call the school year between September and May, yeah. um, so I've been doing that since... For about uh, for about eight years now, so I'm an active part of that church. That really is, um, yeah. Well, so much is going around in my head. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've had my eyes opened a little bit, you know, because yeah. I mean, the one question I was going to ask is, yeah, in the in yeah in the coming years, do you think that they'll There'll come a point where yoga will be talked about much more by Christians as a spiritual practice, much more openly than it is now. I think it's already happening. I think um, compared to when I first took yoga training eight years ago, there's so much more out there. There's so many more podcasts, websites, teachers, teacher training programs than ever before that integrate yoga with faith. Um, and I think that um, it's growing. It's growing and people are talking about it more and it's normalizing a bit. People are seeing it as a normal part of what you can experience for spiritual formation through. That's awesome. I hope I hope it does. I really, really do. Um... I've, you know, I've been thinking about about this for a while and whether I should try doing this or how I could do this or whether this would be a good idea or, or not. And, you know, I, I'm sure there's other people out there who, who've got the same questions and um, definitely learned a lot today. Um, and I think we're only scratching the surface, really, of what's, what's there. Yeah, uh, you know, I if there are people out there with questions... Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Jessu Yogini, J-E-S-U-Y-O-G-N-I. Um, and feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms. I, I would love to talk to you and help you to integrate this practice with your faith a bit more. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jessica. It's been it's been so good talking to you and um, learned so much. Um, so thank you. Um, You're welcome. You're welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and well, I'll definitely have you back another time to, so we can explore this, all these ideas a bit further. Be great. So um, that's all. That's it this week, for everyone. Um, take care, and we'll talk soon. <laughs>